You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Hi, how are you guys doing? Good? You're good, right? My name is Josh Gray. I get to be the lead servant here at Real Life. Some people call that a lead pastor or senior pastor, but I'm speaking into the fact that we are serving and our leaders are serving, and so I want to be the lead servant. I'm so excited to be with you here today. Anybody look at the sermon notes yet? You're like, whoa, woo, it's stacked, right? So we have a long way to go and a short time to get there, like the famous Jerry Reed said in Smokey and the Bandit, for all of you that are over 40 that remember that movie. All right, two of us. Um, anyway, maybe more pure. Um, speaking of home groups, and again, we're, this is our kickoff for home groups. If you are facilitating a home group or hosting a home group, stand up. Just stand up. I'm not going to totally embarrass you. Just stand up. If you're facilitating or hosting a home group, stand up. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you. Praise God. Now, if your group still has room in it, uh, stay standing. If your group does not have room in it, sit down. It's all right. Fold you, fold you, Bill. Uh, all, right. all right. So these folks right here are available to connect with in their, in their home group. So if you're not in one, that's somebody to do it. So thank you guys so much. Appreciate it. Appreciate the folks that are stepping out and facilitating our home group. And today, we're diving into the second part of now what? And so last week, we got a chance to talk about our staff, and I reintroduced you to the staff, and you're like, wow, like seven of those people I never even met before or didn't know who they were. I had multiple comments of folks who were like, oh, cool. So that's who's on the church. So this is where we're going. This is what's next. This is that's who's on staff. This is where we're going. That's great. And we got a chance to talk about um, the, the plan that God has for y'all, right, for all of us and what we're doing. And so uh, this week I wanna, and, and we talked about it, the crazy new vision that I have that God gave me about reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. And that we were gonna make biblical disciples in relational environments, those two new things that you've never heard of before, of our new plan with our new team. And that we are staying on the path. And part of staying on the path is we are rooted in the text. This church is gonna be about trying to accomplish what we understand in here for as long as I'm around. The best we understand it, right? Because our foundation of why we would talk about asking you to get into a home group, why we would ask you to be a relational disciple maker comes from this. This is not some great church idea somewhere else. It is rooted in the text. And as you can tell, we have lots of it to go through today, but it's rooted from beginning to end. And what I'm gonna challenge you with is that you can't just keep pouring this in here and never have it come out of here or here or out of your hands. If all it does is we just got smarter as a church, we just became more like the Pharisees. But what should happen as we're diving into God's word and understanding his word better and better and better, it should be pouring out of our life. You can't be in a good relationship with God and stink at these relationships. I totally cleaned that up in the first service. You can't, it's impossible to be in great relationship with God and not in great relationship with others. And you can't be in great relationship with others and, be in a, and not be in a great relationship with God. They're tied together. They work together. Does that make sense? And so his word tells us that we have to do this together. And I know it's hunting season and I know it's just you and Jesus and by yourself and that's where your church is and you're just out there and like you don't need, there's times to be out there. There's times where you need to hear directly from God on your own. 
And there's lots of times where you need other people. And you can't do this. This isn't about Sunday. Our church has never been just about a Sunday service. It's been about trying to do this well throughout our whole lives. And so as we dive in this text, buckle up. I'm praying that God is washing us over with all of this text, that there is a verse in here. There is a a section of scripture in here that's going to take hold of your heart today. And then you're going to be like, yep, that was me. That was for me. Thank you, God. But he requires us to be connected. We can't just get smart. We have to get heart. It's got to come out of here. So let's dive in. Now, if you obey me and fully keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. I want to be your treasured possession, Lord. I'm trying to obey you. We got a lot of laws and stuff, but I'm trying. Although the whole earth is mine, the Lord says, although the whole earth is mine, everything on it, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Israel, Moscow, these are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Tell them, that you are my kingdom of priests. Tell them that this will be a holy nation. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, Peter's reminding them. You are a special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into a wonderful light. How many people have spent any time in darkness? Yeah. How many people like the light better? Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Jesus. So we are a kingdom of priests. We are a holy nation. We, y'all, are the church, not the guy on a stage. I'm part of it, just like anybody else. When, I'm, when somebody else is preaching, I'm sitting right here taking notes, asking God to come into my heart and give me, give, me, give, me, give me what you have for me today, Lord. Let me try and live it out this next week. The law, we see this all the way through the text. And so let's talk, let's look at the law. So we ask this question a lot of times in our training, what is the first relational crisis in the Bible? And I'm at these trainings and there's guys with master's degrees and MDivs and all these other things and they're like, and so they ask that question and there's a room of people like you guys and they're like, sin, Genesis chapter three. You know, there's relationship broken from God and that's our first relational crisis. And that's wrong. And they don't like to be wrong, but it's okay. That's wrong. The first relational crisis that we see in the Bible is in Genesis 2. And it says, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a suitable, uh, I will make a helper suitable for him. Well, wait a minute. Isn't Adam walking and talking and doing stuff with God in the garden? Isn't he with God? Isn't it just him and God? And why does God notice something incomplete about his creation? And why does God do something about it? Why does he say it is not good for man to be alone? Because he designed us for relationship. He designed us for connection. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This is in Leviticus. I don't know if you know this, that's way before the New Testament. He's telling you to love your neighbor as yourself. If you can't love God's people, then you're not going to be able to love him very well. But if you will not listen to me and carry out all these commands, 
613 of them. And 3,000 subsets. And if you reject my decrees and abhor my, abhor my laws and fail to carry out all my commands and so violate my covenant, then I will do this to you. Da-na-na-na. I'm like, oh boy, don't do that to me, whatever that is. We're not even there yet, but don't do that to me. I want to know what you want, Lord. I will bring on you sudden terror, wasting disease and a fever that will destroy your sight and sap your strength. I will... You will plant seed in vain because your enemies will eat it. When you don't have proper relationship with me and you don't have proper relationship with your neighbor. I will set my face against you so that you will be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you will rule over you and, those who, uh, and you will flee even when no one is pursuing you if you don't have proper relationship with me and proper relationship with your neighbors. Anybody ever ran from conflict? Ran from a hard discussion? You were fleeing and, you, and, and nobody was even pursuing you. How about the prophets? Do they have anything to say about this? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Great question. What does the Lord require of us? To act justly. To act justly to who? To love mercy. To be merciful to who? And to walk humbly with your God. Why would you walk humbly with your God? Who would be observing your walk with God? You are all observing my walk with God. I should walk humbly with God. I'm very excited and proud of what he's given us in his text. Right? But how I use this, has this ever been used for evil? People have been beat up because of this. And the the text says, you know, Jesus says, "I I do not condemn you. But have we condemned people? Yeah. So how are we walking with God, what does that look like? And why does he care what it looks like? Because you're his kingdom of priests. People are watching you and your walk. Your children are watching your walk. More is caught than taught, right? How about the writings? How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. How are we doing, America? Pretty unified, feel pretty unified, pretty tight. No. And so we got to change it, right? We got to change it from the top. No. We got to change it in our own house. I got to walk in unity with my wife. I got to walk in unity with my children. And maybe someday I can get out of my house and my house will be unified and then I can do it with my extended family. Anybody have any conflict with their extended family? Don't raise your hand. any unity that you need to bring together within your own family. And then maybe you can explore outside of that and reach deep into your workplace and you're bringing unity into your workplace. And then maybe you can bring unity into a church area. And then maybe you can actually bring unity into your neighborhood. And maybe you can bring, if we go to our neighborhood, maybe we can do this side of Moscow. And then maybe we can do that side of Moscow. And maybe that side of Moscow. And then, I don't know, I probably won't be here by the time we get that done. But we can try. We can try. Being in unity, God says it's like precious oil poured on the beard, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down to the collar of his robe. It is as if dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing. Even life forevermore. When does that happen again? 
Oh, and we're starting to act in unity. And how do we act in unity? We'd be unified with our Father in heaven first, and then we can be unified out here. And that doesn't mean we all agree. This means how we look and respect and treat each other as we disagree. And you don't write people off because they don't think like you. God is protective of his people. There's a lot of nice ladies in here that I know that are very nice, but if you mess with their kids, they'll rip your head off. <laughs> Legitimate, like rip your head off. Like, like mama bear, it's all over with. Like, so, so God feels the same way. You mess with his kids, don't do that. That's a bad deal. And who are his kids? Y'all, all of us, right? How about the gospels? A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Okay, yes, it's the love thing. I know, I know. How's that working? What are we trying to be here? We're trying to make, uh, make biblical disciples in relational environments, and how would we know if we were doing that? By the way, we would love each other. Hearing that, Jesus had silenced the Sadducees. The Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your, all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. All right. Just got to love God. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. How are you doing loving God? How are you doing loving your neighbor? John 17, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. How would they know that Jesus was sent here for us? How would the people outside of this room know? By the way you walk and talk and act and treat God's word, by the way you walk and talk and treat each other, then they'll know what Jesus looks like. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. How great would that be? Then the world will know that you sent me and that I have loved them even as you have loved me. How about an Acts? All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to one another, uh, anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in their temple courts. So we're going to be here tomorrow. No, I'm just kidding. Right? But like every day, like if you were in a home group and you met on a Wednesday and then you saw them at church on Sunday and maybe you actually liked the people and did life with them and you actually had a dinner with them and their families and in your discussions were talking about Jesus and how he's changing your life and you're sharing with each other and spurring each other on to good deeds, that would look a lot like what Jesus had hoped it would look like, that you're doing life with them. And why do we need to do this home group stuff? Well, some of you may have, uh, there was a couple I met with this morning, they were new to our church. And they're like, we love the music. I was like, me too. And they're like, and we, this pretty friendly environment, we think we want to get into a, a home group. We're looking for some new people to connect with because they're new. And we think the freak cheese is okay. I was like, I know, I'm working on it. Um, but we're like, we're working, for, we're working forward towards that. And so if you're new here to get connected, because maybe the group you came from 
You miss them, but they're too far away. Or maybe the people that you normally hung around with were doing things that you don't want to do. I've prayed with lots of people up here over the last several weeks, and they have to change their association was the heart. They want to talk with people about the text. And so we're providing that opportunity for people to do it in groups, right? They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. We allow that. Uh, Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. When you're getting together with your Christian friends, are you praising God? Are you talking about what God's doing in your life? or Or can you not think of that? Well, I don't know. Do you recognize what God's doing in your life? I love to hear it. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved because we came to seek and save what was lost. We're here to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time, right? That happens in community. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had, which with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them. All that were there, there were no needy persons among them. Nobody was needy among them. At one time, the church in Post Falls gave out as much or more aid than the Department of Health and Social Services of Kootenai County. Can you imagine a church that's that dialed in, that's just like, yep, we take care of people. Yes, thank you, government, for being involved in that, but this is what we're called to do, so that's what we do. We do that because you need, you heard that in the video, people needed cribs or beds or whatever. We have so much stuff, right? How much stuff do we all have that we are taking care of each other's needs? From, uh, for from time to time, those who owned land and houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the, feet of the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone who had a need. We're taking care of you guys are very generous. Just continue to be generous. Thank you for committing to tithing. Thank you committing, but it's beyond the money. Like the money is basic. Like the 10% stuff, that's, that's basic. But knowing that your stuff is not your stuff. It's God's stuff. Right? It's God's stuff. Treat it that way. How about the letters? Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. No punches pulled. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not cover. And whatever other commands there may be, I love that, you know, and the other stuff. Whatever other commands there may be are all summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. We got to put this in here. Just be hungry for the text. We have a bunch of cool things coming that we're excited. We're going to get deep. We're diving in. And if you just get smarter and your heart doesn't change, then I have failed. Stay hungry. Hagah, devour the text. Know the text, but let it play out in your life. If it doesn't play out in your life, it's like any sports, whether it's wrestling or basketball or whatever, you have this awesome playbook and you have this, you, yeah, I've seen that technique before. I've, I've read about that technique, but you've never done it. You don't know. You know it when you do it. You know it when you're functionally involved in it, not just when you're hearing about it. Does that make sense? The knowledge of it doesn't change anything until you put it into action. So yes, I know I'm supposed to love my neighbor, Josh. I've heard that a million times at church before. Great, what does that look like? 
Some more text. Uh, be the fruit of the spirit, uh, uh, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Who are you going to be joyful around? Who are you going to love? Where does peace come around? Kindness to who? Goodness to to who? Self-control to who? It all revolves around people. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a, a, a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Whose job is it to it, brothers and sisters, that we see that none of us has a sinful or unbelieving heart? It's your job. When you see somebody falling away from the Lord, when you see somebody that's, that's struggling with something, it is your job not to call some staff member, not to do those things. It is your job, brothers and sisters, to see to it that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart. And how would you know if somebody has a sinful, unbelieving heart? You would know it because you spend time with them, because you do life with them. And be an encourager. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. I wish I would have put some spurs on. That would have been such a cool analogy right there. Right? Spurring each other on daily. And not give, up meeting to, uh, not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another as long or, and all the more as you see the day approaching. What does that look like if you guys are encouraging each other? Giving phone calls to each other. When God puts you on somebody's heart, you call them. Tell them I'm praying for you. Tell them I love you. Tell them, you know, tell them what God did. Encourage each other daily because you don't know when that call comes and when they may need it. This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lied and we do not live out the truth. How are you doing here? It's going to come out here. Does that make sense? It's kind of like a, no, I wouldn't do that. How does it come? It's coming out. You're doing good with the Lord. You're spending time with him. You're leading your family that way. It's going to come out. You're not doing good with the Lord, guess what's going to happen? It's going to come out. They are connected. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Walk in the light. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. I play games with that. I'm like, I don't really hate them. I just like strongly dislike them. (laughs) Try and use some different adverbs. But at the end of the day, how are we doing? How are we doing with your brothers and sisters? Who gets affected by hate? The hater and the hated. We're not to hate. Don't be hating on my kids, right? You think God would say the same thing? Don't be hating on my kids. We're all his kids. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Amen. Last two guys, here we go. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, 
then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in one spirit and one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of each other's. What if all of us were looking at each other's interests and trying to make sure that we were all taken care of? What would that look like? Whose interests would be left out? Oh, that's right, it wouldn't. Because we're all looking after each other because we're a body. And who would be attracted to a place where your interests would be looked after, your well-being would be looked after, that you're cared about, that people know you and that you matter? Who would be attracted to that? The world is starving for that. Look at my picture on Facebook, Snapchat. This, that. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Yeah, we see you. And we not only see you, but we want to know you. We want to hear what your story is and what you're about. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Great commission. How can you make disciples without being in relationship? You can't, right? So all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That's a lot of authority. Now, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I had commanded you. Love God. Love each other. All the law and the prophets hang on those things. You, you, all the 613 laws that the Jews have to live by can be taken care of right there. Right? And that's what I'm going to work the rest of my life on. I got to continue forever to learn how to love God better. And I got to continue forever to learn how to love people better, his people. And sometimes I'm going to be your mess and it's going to be hard to love me. And sometimes you're going to be my mess and it's going to be hard to love you. But I have no excuse not to. And I don't think you do either. So we're going to take this home. And for surely God will be with us to the end of the ages, right? So we're going to take this time to to, uh, have communion. If you are serving communion, thank you very much. Head on back there and get that. If you ever want to serve communion, you can ask any of these folks. They will get you involved in this complicated process of serving communion. Uh, We take it together as a family. Um, If you are not a believer in Jesus, then this probably, uh, just let it pass you by. But if you are, let's hold on to it together. You know, it's interesting. You know how Jesus did communion in community? with people, doing life. So a couple questions for you here today. Which pieces of the text stood out to you the most today? As you were going through this, I had some things highlighted, things that were standing out to me. What really struck you as like, oh yeah, love God, love people. That's a good message, Josh. But how are we playing that out? And I'm praying that God has put that on in your heart and you're like, no, it was that one that got me today. It was that one. And I want you to take the time this week to sit on that text. I want you to take some time this week to maybe even memorize it and start letting it mold you and change you because we are to be made by Jesus and his text is what makes us and his text through and relationship and talking with his people molds us. There's something that got you today. What was it and why?
Are you willing to continue to be used by God to accomplish his plans in your family? It starts in your family, men. It starts in your family, moms. It starts in your family, grandmas and grandpas. You are never out. There's always repair work. I love one of our a home group guys out there has a hammer at his, uh, at his home group. And he's like, and I said, what's that hammer for? And he says, sometimes we've got to bang out dents in our lives. Sometimes we've got to build things up together. I was like, ah, that's smart. That's a good idea. That's what happens in a home group. As we, 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 we have the, the dents in our hearts, right? So are you willing to continue to be used by God to accomplish his plans in your family? in your church, in your town, and beyond. Some of you are, are here for a season. And it's not, it's a season for preparation. It's a season for education. So what does beyond look like? What does now look like? If so, what actionable steps are we working towards? Are we just working towards the next set of questions next week that we can uh, be, be like, yeah, good idea. I'm not going to do anything with that. Or are we working towards, no, I can act, like, actually this week, my kids are going to catch me reading the Bible. Actually, this week, we're going to make sure that we're praying really hard as a family for a specific group of people or a specific need that we have. Actually, this week, I'm going to be bold enough to try and step out and get into a new community. I'm going to try some of these crazy home group things. Actually, this week, I'm going to go serve in my town. I'm picking up garbage when I walk around. When you're walking down the streets, I've been doing lots of walking with my wife. Like, I'm like, you know what I need to do? I need to take care of my town. You know I can take care of my town? Pick up some garbage. What if we had 900 people out there taking care of town picking up garbage? That's basic, right? Plus, you make money doing it like I did today in the, in the parking lot. I found $5 from some poor fair kid. Lost it put that $5 in the offering bucket. I was like, that's seed money, Lord. I'm moving, moving carts, taking care of my community. Why? I'm moving, moving carts back to Safeway. I'm picking up cigarette butts. We're out there doing things. We're taking care of our community. Not just your house, but your community. What does that look like? Do you believe there are people around you and your family at work or even in our community who need to hear how God has reached you? Are you holding back your story? Maybe you're not prepared to tell your story. Maybe you're not sure what that looks like on telling a story. We did this exercise with our staff at our staff retreat, and we all spent 15, I think, 10, to, 10 to 30 minutes telling our stories to the staff. I can't believe I worked with people for seven years and didn't know their story that well. And I was a pastor. So we're going to equip our body next week to understand the power of your story and no, we're called, you know, we're called to be able to give an answer for why we believe what we believe and how our life has changed. And so we're going to equip this body next week to be able to share your story well when called upon it. And guess what happens when you're equipped to do something well? You get the opportunity. And God's going to get, what, could we change the world? Could we reach the world for Jesus one person at a time if we are able and willing and ready to tell our story as God provided those opportunities? Amen? Yeah, you kind of have to say amen on that one if you don't. You're like, Amen. Like, yes. Yes, I want to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. I'm scared a little bit, but yes. So we think about community 
and how we can share our stories and what are we doing. So with communion, Jesus is doing this in community and he wanted us to remember to do it together in community. Do you know that you could even buy your own communion and take it in your own home group and that's okay? I know coming from a Catholic faith, that's tougher for me. I was like, what? I don't even know I could touch it. Like, but you can like have communion. There's groups that have communion and they're actually like following scripture, Right? So Jesus does this in community. He says, uh, the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he gave thanks, broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you, for y'all. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember. In the same way, after supper, he took a cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever y'all drink it. And let's remember him. Father, I just thank you for this time. Um, Lord, I know your word does not come back void. I know that you've got awesome text here for people, Lord. I know that, you're, uh, that you, you've clearly said that we cannot separate how we love you from how we love our brothers and sisters. Within our own tight-knit household, Lord, uh, within our immediate uh, families, extended families, our work environments, our community, Lord, it just doesn't end. So I ask you to just continue to equip this church. We're all in. We're all in with relational discipleship because we can't help but be that way because that's the way you designed us. We want to get smarter. We're hungry for your text and for cool things you're going to reveal to us, but let it not just be in our head. Let it come out of our heart and our hands. Let us experience your text. Experience what it looks like, like it looked like to be an ax, where we were taking care of each other. We saw each other. Help us to be that kind of church, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.